Hello everybody, what's up? You're listening to I Was Just Wondering with me, Tom Salmon. This show that dives into music, filming games and everything else in between. My guests on this week's show are the writer and director duo Josh Colvett and Michael Field behind the award-winning short film 40 Minutes Over Maui. We jumped into Josh and Michael's film festival experience and their collaborative writing process and the challenges of making a short film set in a picturesque Hawaii holiday resort and filming it in a tiny hotel room in California in just two days. So if you're running, stuck in a traffic jam or sitting behind a desk at work, I hope you enjoy my interview with Josh and Michael. So you're on the short film festival circuit with your short film, 40 Minutes Over Maui. How's it going so far? Um, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure and it's been a blast. This is the most exposure I think either of us have ever had to a film festival world. And going into it, you don't really know what to expect when you're submitting and you're you're checking out the festivals online and on Film Freeway. And then to be able to get there and just to each festival and to see how different they are and the kind of people that show up that are in the audience and the kind of filmmakers that are there and the kind of people that run the festivals. Um, it's really quite a rewarding experience after you've spent some time making the film, not only to be able to share it with people, but to be able to meet so many new people as well. Um, and in terms of where your films play, does it, does it tend to be more of the sort of comedic sort of like block of films that you sort of play against? It's, uh, you know, it's a bit random, honestly. Um, and truthfully, there are fewer comedies in the short film world than dramas or other genres. And in fact, a few programmers have, have approached us and said, thank you for making this comedy that's very fun and easy to watch because we get so many submissions that are very dark brooding, mm. non-comedic pieces. And as far as programming, that varies too. So Tribeca, what's great about them, we found, was they... All their shorts blocks, they put, you know, five to seven shorts that are all linked. So mm -hmm. that way, hey, if you like science fiction, you go see this block. If you like docs, you go see this block. So we were in just a comedy block, and right. they just basically, the, the only sort of thread they did was sort of from, like, lower stakes to higher stakes. So right. that was cool because we closed it since ours <laughs> is a, you know, a potential missile strike, uh, which is great. It's always nice to close it out. But some of the other festivals we've been at, it's been, um, you know, it's been it's been up and down. We we went to one festival where it was a great block, but we were right after a very depressing short documentary hmm. about a very important subject. But it's like the audience, you could feel their their hearts just sunk, and then you know our film comes up. Yeah, and a few festivals recognize best comedy short, but hmm. with short films, a lot of the times they're just. Hey, it's all short films, you know, uh, uh, enter at your own risk. I mean, I do get the feeling from a few comedy short filmmakers that I've interviewed. Um, one was just named Neil Miller, had a short film called Peggy, and another one was Monique Surgeon, who had Sorry Not Sorry. They tend to be very sort of cloud-pleasing films that they're sort of like showing, but they do sort of struggle to get major film festival awards recognition. You know, it's like when, when we started going to festivals and seeing the kind of films that were winning awards... Um, Josh and I never made the film with the intention of going out and winning awards. I think what we wanted is to really test the waters with uh, an idea that we thought was funny and to see mm. how people reacted to a situation and to characters that we really thought was very funny. So for us, you know, we've kind of learned really early that in a way us winning, winning an award is the way people run up to us right after the screening and want to mm. talk about their friends or their families that were in Hawaii when this event happened, or the way that we've seen people run up to uh, Julie and Johnny, our, our cast, and, and just gush to them about their performances. So, you know, it, it's kind of like, not to compare ourselves to the Oscars, but mm. even on such a scale like that with something like Best Picture, so seldom do you see a comedy uh win something like best picture and i think it's just people's initial reaction is to give an award to a more dramatic film and we're mm. really okay with that because you know we're so happy to to see people's reactions to it yeah and it's also right and it's and it's that thing i think that universally everyone knows or they talk about it where it's just like you know comedy is underrated in that sense where um it's it's at, at cordillera film festival uh someone on the jury uh was telling me how they were like um 
or sorry, one of the panelists, they, they were just, they're saying how much they loved our film because mm. it's so much harder to make people laugh mm. um, versus he was, you know, he pointed out, he's like, you know, dramas are great, but he, in his opinion, all you have to do is like show, show someone on screen you really like and then do horrible things to them. And yeah. then everyone will be sad. Yeah. But it's very hard to, to uh, orchestrate laughter. And, um, and yeah, so that's our, like the joy of this has really just been, having people say how much they liked it and also, you know, getting into these festivals is another, mm. you know, just, just a nice little pat of encouragement. Cause it means, it means more people will see the film, uh, you know, people will enjoy it. And, um, yeah, we've had other festival programmers just, uh, solicit us, right. you know, cause, cause a lot of programmers, they all know each other. They go to other festivals. So people will say, Hey, I saw your film at this festival we loved it. Would you be willing to have us screen it at ours? Mm. And so later in the year, there'll be some some other festivals that Michael and I had never heard of. But mm -hmm. you know, you look them up and you're like, oh yeah, great. This yeah, of yeah. course we'd love. We're not. We're definitely not in the like now that we you know we were at Tribeca. We're doing that, and that's a whole film festival thing. But we're not. We're mm. not about like hiding it from anyone. Like yeah. we want as many people to see it and right. enjoy it as, as possible. I mean, just jumping on to. I mean, the last. Comedic picture. I mean, I googled it before the interview. The last comedic picture that was um, best picture of the Oscars was Woody Allen's Annie Hall, and that was like 1977. Or even like Life is Beautiful, but mm. even that is like a, a father, you know, comedically mm. like throwing on a putting on a play for his son when they're in a concentration camp. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, you, don't, you don't get a lot of com straight comedies. Yeah, mm. I mean, I even think back to something like how much you know Oscar buzz a film like Bridesmaids had. Mm. And even something to that caliber was still unable to break through. And, you know, for us, when you when you put this much time into making something, you know, you got to think sometimes, what is your intention? Mm. And ours has never been to win awards. Ours has been to, you know, really challenge ourselves and see if we can make something good yeah. and fun and make people laugh. That's obviously sort of the the center of our universe is is comedy. Even though we have other, like we both really like some very dramatic or, mm. or uh, uh, different styled films. But for Mike and I, we both are just like you know what. As we keep growing and making more and more films, and hopefully some of these features we have ideas for, like our goal is to make movies that people want to see and enjoy seeing and see again because they're they're fun to watch. Yeah. And yeah. and that there's no shame in that. Yeah. As much no. as we love non comedies, but like we have no shame in like, oh yeah, we just we just make people laugh. I think where it sort of like sits, it's sort of because it's humorous and it's seen as sort of like less serious, but I think as you sort of spoke before, like being sort of funny is the most serious thing you can do because it's so hard to do. Well, you know, even when you, you look at something like the the basic concept of our film, which is two people that have to really question themselves in their relationships when they think that they might not have much time mm. left to live. And I think that given that premise, so many people would immediately go to telling a story about two people who kind of turn on each other. Mm. And it's, it's such an easy setup for a dramatic film. And for us, we really wanted to use a setup and a premise like that to tell a comedic film. Right. And also threading that needle, uh, you know, not not to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it, but I hope when people see it, they, they like because the other the flip side of that is still keeping a comedy, but then making the people, you know, going for the jokes of like, mm. oh, I never liked you anyway. Like you're, and then you the, the like, well, we're going to die. So I'm just going to rattle off 15 things I hate about you. Yeah. So we we like we knew that option was available to us, but we really worked hard to be like, OK, even though there is some teasing and some turns in the film, yeah, can we still show that like there it's a couple that likes each other, that loves each other, and that the audience will like without then going too far and making it super saccharine? Like mm. we didn't we didn't want it to be so sappy, you know, and um, and I think that's something that I, I, we're proud of is I think we were able to like walk that tightrope spoke about it briefly I mean, what was the creative spark that inspired you to set off on this journey towards writing and directing um the short film my uh this is my my dad wrote the first draft of our script right and he is a pretty prolific writer in terms of everything he turns out and kind of when he sees an event in the news that can trigger an idea or spark 
an idea for him. He'll just write it. So he saw, you know, this happen in the news and him and my mom go to Hawaii for vacation. He kind of thought like, what would it be like if he and my mom were in Hawaii when this happened and sent me that script and just as like a funny, oh, this is something I wrote. Tell me what you think. And I loved the premise and I loved the idea. And I really thought it had a ton of potential to be something special. What sort of shape was it in when your dad just gave you um, the script? I mean, how much of it do you kind of, did you keep or did you just keep the sort of like premise and characters and then you came on and sort of rewrote together? It was pretty much done. And then we just put Johnny and Julie in a room and then hit record. And <laughs> <laughs> came back three days later. Yeah. And, and yeah. And uh uh, <laughs> the, the, the joke we say is the first script was, I think, 23 pages. So we tried to cut out about 10 pages of mm. it. And we took out a lot of Donald Trump jokes because a lot of <laughs> this character based on my dad just screaming to the heavens about how much he hates Donald Trump and how mm. Donald Trump's blamed for all of this. Mm. And the funniest thing my dad did is as creative as a guy as he is, he just doesn't seem to have it in him to find character names that are not real people in his life. So in the script, he didn't even change the the names of the people in his version where he calls his wife's best friend and tells her that, oh, your husband's been cheating on you and I've always – I've never liked you or he calls her mm-hmm. mother-in-law and it, his mother-in-law and he just used all the – the real names of the people in his life. Right. And, and so that was one of the things that when I got it, I was like, all right, I think we got to change some of this. And one of the, the funniest things he did is the name of the, of Penny was first, uh, Estelle who is a ex-girlfriend of mine. I, I know why you use that name, but I think we should change that. Yeah. Well, the name, I, as Mike's talking, I just had a funny re- realization that, that's where Mike is very good at naming characters. I love it. And now I'm, I'm like, oh, that's where, right, you've gone the other way yeah. from your dad. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm, when we write, I'll be like, I don't know, guy, man one, woman two. And Mike's already got, he's got a list, like, no, no, list no. of his, names his ready. Name yeah. Hot. yeah. Yeah, he's got a, <laughs> like, he has a full. This is what he orders when he goes yeah. to Starbucks. Your child, you know, you'll yeah. have a kid and you'll have a, two pages of baby names and not, I'm the one that doesn't name the kid for like three weeks yeah just i'm like i'm not sure what they are i don't know his name is offspring yeah child Child. just name him child (laughs) child one or whatever child and then but yeah we also yeah we really yeah so we tweaked that and then and then script wise you know we knew we knew the actors we wanted and once they were on board we we rehearsed with them a couple times and then changed some dialogue you know based on rehearsals yeah, by the time we went to shoot, we had a very, we felt like really confident about the script. It was yeah. really easy to actually get producers or other people mm-hmm. sort of crewing up because they would read the script and they're like, oh, this is, this is great. I'm curious in terms of your actual sort of day-to-day sort of collaboration in terms of the writing, does, does one of you sort of sit down and drive the keyboard or do you both take cracks at writing a draft of the script? In terms of uh, writing, well, you know, for Maui, we would we would sort of uh, use some collaboration writing programs, you know, and go back and forth writing, uh, you know, on the keyboard. Sometimes we'll, I mean, now as we're working on new things, you know, we usually start in like a shared document where we can mm-hmm. add stuff, and then yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a mix. Sometimes it's like, great, I, I'm gonna go take a pass on this, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll send it back to you. Or sometimes we're writing in the room together. I, personally, I think I think you you want to have a mix because mm. for me, like I don't know if I could get through like a like a very long process just doing it one way. And sometimes mm. it's hard to both be in the same room at the same time. Uh, yeah. Which and I, I think like as a duo, you get the advantage of like okay, well we can be working, yeah, you know, at separate times, and then and then when we're together, we can be very productive. And was this the first writing collaboration you guys have worked on? Or you worked on some sort of previous scripts before. So Josh and I met about uh, six years ago. Both we were playing on an adult kickball team, and um, Josh is heavily involved in the improv comedy community in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, taking classes at the school that he performs at, and uh, we just kind of hit it off uh, socially and stayed friends over the years. And when my dad sent me the script. 
he was just the first person that popped into my mind as someone who would be great to collaborate with on this. Um, So this was the first thing that we worked on. Josh, over the last couple of years, has spent a lot of time focused on acting and performing, and I've spent a lot of time over the past few years focused on documentary filmmaking. So it was kind of the shift and an adjustment for both of us, but I think, you know, I've always said that, like, that shift has been something that I'm I'm really happy I kind of altered the direction I was trying to go in terms of my creative output. Yeah, and also the the other funny or worth mentioning point is that I uh, had never met Mike's father. Maybe I had a vague knowledge that he was involved creatively somehow, Mm. but I know that he was a writer, so Mike says, my dad wrote this script, or my dad had this idea for a script, and I want to send it over to you. And immediately I was like, okay, all right. (laughs) Like thinking, you know, the generic, like, you know, uh, dad pitch. And then I, I, I opened the document and it's like, you know, it's a proper script formatted and was like, I kept thinking like a dad wrote this. I don't. (laughs) And then, and then when I saw Mike and then said like, oh yeah, it's great. Here's what I like. Like, I agree. This would be so fun to do. And then Mike, I asked him about his dad, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I should have said my dad is a writer. My dad has, like, writing credits. Mm. And, and then it all made sense to me. But I thought, I thought it was even more of a miracle at first. The event was so catastrophic that it, it, it triggered a dad, your standards dad. Like, you know, he was so moved. He's like, I'm going to buy a screenwriting software. I'm going to yeah. write a screenwriting. I'm going to read Save the Cat. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> the classics, yeah. The dad just was so moved by the event that he put himself through film school yeah. in a month. In terms of your writing process, does one person take more of a lead on overall sort of like structure and then another person sort of like jumps in with dialogue sort of stuff? You know, since Maui's the first thing that Josh and I have done together, it's kind of a, it's, you experiment with what works best. And, you know, we've, been writing a lot recently. We have two other shorts that we're going to be filming soon and a feature that we're working on. Mm-hmm. And I think that the thing that you, that I'm realizing is the best way to go about it is I try not to be precious mm-hmm. about who does what and who edits what and who writes what and who changes what because the Josh and I, we really have a shared common goal with the things we're working on, which mm-hmm. is um, you know, to make it as, as best we can. And I think that one of the things that make Josh and I really good collaborators is we have a really good shared vision of what the idea is. So in that sense, like, sure, there's things that Josh and I, uh, disagree with or mm-hmm. d- lines of dialogue that we would interpret different ways, but, um, we're able to pass the ball back and forth quite easily and not really establish rules with who has to do what and how they have to do it. Mm. So I think that makes it a lot easier. Mm. There are times that Josh will, will, I'll tell Josh that, oh yeah, that's that's good, that's great, that's a final locked version of that script. And then secretly I'll go through and change everything without him knowing in the middle of the night and then send it back to him and be like, no, that's how you sent it to me. Yeah, yeah. and then I'll, and I'll do the same thing and then we end up Exactly the same. <laughs> we both it's a, we both do so much extra superfluous surreptitious work that it, lo and behold it does nothing. It just gets us back to point one. Jumping into the sort of directing of the short film, I mean, could you talk to me a little bit about your working through your sort of creative process as a directing duo? First of all, I think uh, sort of with the writing and you know having a, a, a partnership is great because you can just cover more ground. Mm-hmm. at once right so it's it's just if nothing else it's so much more efficient it, it reminds me of this story i have a friend who's a screenwriter and he has twins and i this is just such a random story but i was visiting him once when his twins were like four years old we were hanging out he's like oh, i gotta put the kids in the bath puts them in the bath we come we're, we're we're watching tv talking for a little bit and i'm like wait do you need to watch your kids and he's like no he's like don't make sure one will make sure the other doesn't drown. Like, and then just did this short little speech about like having twins is the best thing in the world. Like they're each other's best friends. Hmm. You don't have to entertain them cause they'll do it. He's like, I don't know how anyone just has one kid. Right. And I sort of feel like that with on set where like, I, I mean, and, I, and I've, I've directed like sketch stuff before, hmm. but man, when you, when you have someone that you, you see eye to eye with, it's great. Cause you can, 
one of us can be talking to camera or another department while the other is dealing with the actors or, uh, you know, tweaking other notes. So you're getting twice as much done. Mm. And then I, I know for me, having a, an acting background, you know, I and, and having been on set as an actor so mm. often and, and good and bad sets. I think it's it's like I, I, I have no problem talking to actors like I, I know the language. I have no fear of them, of the mm. delicate, strange creatures they are. And just on that note, for me, talking about with, when I communicate with actors, I think one of the I think one of the things that a lot of directors don't understand because they're not actors is mm. they don't understand what a weird thing it is. Mm. Aside from like giving directions or emotional things, one of the best things you can do to an actor for an actor is say like you know, this is the shot we're doing and this is what I'm intending to get right here. Mm. So that the actor actually knows the parameters. And I think most directors don't think that actors want to know any logistical stuff. But right. if you just say like, hey, so this is the moment when this is happening and really it's 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 really wide. So you can go as, as large as you want. You know, we're going to see everything. Feel free to do this or that. But we're only going to run up like literally just the most boring logistical stuff is actually super helpful for an actor because as an actor, the only thing, not the only thing, but one of the most important things to know is you're like, what the hell is happening right now? Right. Like, Cause you saw all your work, but like you're looking over and no one's telling you what the camera's focused on or what we're trying to get with the scene. So I know for me, that's one thing of, of the process that I'm always taking care of for the, for the actors. Okay. I think that, Josh and I really had such a strong shared vision with what we wanted out of this film before we went into production. Mm -hmm. And we were, we really worked hard to make sure we were on the same page with so many aspects of it. So again, it was never like, um, we would do a setup and Josh, you were the one who talks to the actors and Michael, you were the one who talks to the camera department or Josh, yeah. you were the one who talks to producers and Michael you go talk to the actors we never really had set rules and and lines drawn about what each other's job was to do we just knew we were on the same page so after we would do a take or when we would need to go talk to the different departments yeah. we just sure we were on the same page and then we just went and did it and it, it always worked out um to our benefit because I think we just we were we made it such a priority to be on the same page with mm -hmm. what we wanted overall. And Josh also made sure I didn't drown in any bathtubs. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. To no one drowned. We entertained ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And we got all, and there was never any undercutting on production because we, we got that out of our system in the writing process yeah. as we detailed. That's when we cheat and change each other and undercut each other. Yeah, so then right. when we're on set, we're not, no one's going to someone else and being like, don't listen to what Mike said there. Just do this. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's as, as much as like, you know, when we were directing this, it, it felt really good to be working with Josh and to be collaborating with him. One of the things that really stuck, stuck out to me was our script supervisor asked how long Josh and I had been working together. And she said, uh -huh. it, it really seems like you guys have been doing this together for a long time. When in reality, this is the first thing we had uh -huh. done together. So it, it, I feel like it naturally, we just, we had a great, um, you know, our chemistry just yeah. came through. Because I imagine that's, you know, like 90% of the sort of like battle, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing too is that, you know, Michael and I, we're not um, necessarily have like deep dives into technical mm -hmm. elements of, of film, you know, like, um, which I think makes it uh it's it's like another positive for our crew or, mm. or say like for our cinematographer right where we're not our, you know our job is sort of the overarching story and and making sure everyone's on the same page and not mm. to micromanage mm. like say a very talented dp and and tell him like oh we want this and that like we can give him the angle but i i think at least when we were shooting it felt like people enjoyed the sort of freedom we gave them as right. opposed to being super overbearing you know and, and we would yeah we would have opinions and we would we would knock down some things or alter others but i also think it's it's another nice thing um for people that work with us is like okay we're not we're not gonna like be over their shoulder mm. fiddling with everything and, and telling them like that that way we can get quality crew members and yeah. they know that like they get to be creative as well and we're not gonna step on their creativity um, you know, that we're more just like, 
wanting everyone to, to succeed in their own uh, mm. lanes. We did a really good job of surrounding ourselves with remarkably talented people for this. Um, a lot of that credit goes to our producers, Brent and Nick. But, yeah. you know, from the production design to the sound mixing to the way it was shot, I think we realized pretty quickly that the people around us really knew what we were doing and we didn't have to worry about about those aspects of the job and we could really focus on the things that we were excited about which was getting the performances we wanted and just kind of setting the tone for the type of set that we wanted and keeping keeping stress low mike has a a lot of mike's uh film school friends were either involved or would stop by the production and the the joke was that on the call sheet they they would put mike as good vibes technician uh because he's got such an easygoing manner. Yeah, uh, and we tried to we tried to you know keep keep that throughout because yeah the 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 stressful thing the stressful thing about directing is I liken directing to like it's like a you know a hundred people want a million answers from you on every little thing before mm-hmm. you film they want they want you to tell them what to do or how it's going to be done and then on the day they come back to you and say it can't be done the way you wanted it to be done so you have to figure out on the spot you know, how to, yeah. how to, how to get it done. And the trick is creative problem solving without turning into a tyrant mm. and making everyone on set feel very tense and awful. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, yeah, that was huge for us to be like, all right, great. This is the fun. We're all having fun. And any, any problems, we'll just figure them out on the fly. I mean, I just wonder in terms of your primary location, it's set in a hotel room. What were some of the challenges that you encountered you know, being in the hotel room with the actors and getting the angles um, and the setups from that. We had to get creative a little bit and we had we had two cameras available, but I think initially we both thought, well, we can probably run two cameras the whole time and that way we'll catch any improvs. But really some angles, it just didn't work. So we got two cameras for some for some nice shots, you know, that, that really helped in the edit. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of times, yeah, you had to get creative with angles. The other thing was our video village was <laughs> so there's like a hallway you know most of it's sort of in the bedroom and then there's mm. this hallway that leads to the door that you can't see um and there's a bathroom and in order to save time we never moved video village from that bathroom right. so even even in the first two minutes of the movie there's a bit where uh johnny who plays larry is in the bathroom speaking like popping in and out talking to penny so yeah. he's in the bathroom there's a, a lighting, there's a flag, a C-stand with flags behind him. Hmm. And then Mike and I are sitting on one Apple box, staring at the monitors. And But we just lived in that bathroom right. the whole time. Yeah. And so that that was definitely one of the tricks because it's like, we, you know, the whole shoot we pretty much had to watch on monitor, uh, oh. which is not, you know, the worst thing because that's how you're going to see it. You're seeing what it's being captured. But really i don't think we were able to watch anything just with our own eyes and yeah we were huddled together in this in this bathroom not you know decent sized bathroom yeah mm. you know i think that with with something when you're dealing with one location like that it's both a blessing and a and a curse and it's a blessing because we didn't have to do company moves and we were there for 2 days so our mm. gear got to stay still and we saved some time in the logistical side of things but i think the hard thing that you come up against with something like this is how do you keep one location interesting Mm. for an entire piece? And going into it, the way that, I don't know if we ever necessarily talked about it, but the way that I always thought about the script was looking at it in terms of like a play Mm -hmm. and the way that with a set that you're able to move the action and the characters around the room and really kind of take the piece all over the geography of the room to keep yeah. it interesting. You know, like what happens in the hallway, what happens on the floor, what happens in the bed, and just to kind of keep it moving around so it feels like you're not just trapped in mm. one room with four walls because right. at the end of the day, mm. that is our set. Yeah, right. You have to make it feel, the world feel bigger than it actually is because, yeah, it truly is a bedroom. Um, well, I was part of a crew that shot in a hotel room in New Jersey. And one of the things that cropped up for that particular production was like the heat in the hotel room. Uh, it just got really, really, really hot. And I wondered if that was a particular issue on your set with having that many bodies in a room with the equipment and the lights. 
Oh yeah, a little bit. It was definitely <clears throat> okay. Cut AC on. Yeah. You know, set up for the next, you know, take or whatever. Put the AC back on, and then uh, and I think we did right. We never, we didn't have to lose any takes because we forgot to take turn the AC. That was yeah. our that was a concern. Like okay, just make sure we turn it off because we don't want to ruin the sound with the hum of the AC. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was. You get a little toasty. The good news was a lot of times mm. though we could crack a window. Um, you know, depending on the angle. You know, one of the other things too, looking back on the actual production, is I think pretty early on when we were shooting, Josh and I set a tone with the crew and the cast mm. that once we got a take that we liked, we were confident to move on. Right. So we weren't, you know, really doing more than a handful of takes. Okay. I think first and foremost, because our actors' performances were so solid, mm. but we just never felt the need to keep beating it into the ground and doing take after take after take to try to get to a deeper level. Right. Um, so when you're kind of moving with a flow like that where you're just kind of like, you got it, we're moving on now, it, it, it helps to not keep things stagnant and yeah. helps for people be sitting in the same place wondering you know what's going on how long are they going to be doing this so it, it felt like there was also like a an, an energy about right. the the flow of things where we were kind of like getting it and moving on to the next thing and just sort of jumping into the performances with Johnny Ray Meeks and Julie Brister who play Larry and Penny the married couple at the center of the film how do you go about casting them so Johnny and Julie are two people we've known for a while because they're they're performers and teachers at the Upright Citizens Brigade here in Los Angeles. Um, and I like I've I've had them as as teachers of mine right. and and like have known them outside of the theater a little bit and just <clears throat> we knew they were great people, great actors, mm -hmm. and we sent them out just sort of straight offer. You know we we. Mm -hmm. We were prepared to audition if we needed to, but our hope was that, which is why we spent, we made sure we, we got the script in a really good place beforehand. Yeah. And that was good too. Also, again, like with the background as an actor, you know, I remember we were talking about it and we knew that there were tweaks to be made, but we hit a point with a script where I was like, okay, as an actor, if someone sent me this script mm -hmm. and said like this, this really fun idea, two hander, I would like you to be the role of this person. And we were very conscious where it's like, okay, it's not, it's not one or the other's story. You know, it's legit like mm -hmm. partnership. Yeah. That if you got that script as an actor, you'd be like, oh, this is this is great. And yeah, thankfully it worked out like that. They were both in super into the script. We knew that they, they don't have any shows together, but they've known each other. We knew they could play as a couple. Yeah. And then the best part was was sort of taking them out to lunch when they were both on board. And then I remember. Mike, do you want to tell us, do you like the story about the, the Kickstarter? Oh, yeah. So we took them to lunch just so we could kind of tell them about, like, you know, they had both agreed to be in it, and we wanted to take them to lunch so they could meet, because Josh knew them a lot better than they knew me, and we could just give them the rundown about what, what we were trying to do, what we were looking for, and just to get to know them. And mm. one of the questions that I believe Julie asked was, so do you guys have like a Kickstarter for this? And are you going to go try to find money to make it? And we just were able to tell her, like, oh, no, no, no. Like this is happening. We have the money. We're ready to go. Mm. And, you know, I think they were just really relieved because they're such generous people when it comes to collaborating with people who are just trying to get things made. And we've both seen Johnny and Julie in so many people's Funny or Die videos and mm. sketches and YouTube right. videos. Like they're, yeah. they're, to help people do anything but so often sometimes you you talk to someone about your idea and then it's like there's a couple caveats it's like but we got to go find the money we gotta <laughs> find punch you yeah like try right and so they we were gotta just, shoot it yeah. we're gonna we, you we're gonna get in a van and we're gonna drive four hours away like it's yeah. gonna be yeah there's so there was they were all on board and they i'm sure they were like what's the catch yeah yeah and, and yeah. they were able to breathe a sigh of relief because they're like no no, no we're like you know, we're ready to go. This is going to happen. Yeah, this is going to be a real film. And I think that I really remember that talk, that especially when we see them at film festivals or when Julie tells us that she's considering meeting us, you know, in another city to go to the, the festival with us because they've stayed involved 
in the film even after production. Right. So uh, it's great that it's become as much as this is Josh and Mai's baby. Yeah. It's great that it's become something that means so much to the other people that were involved too. I just wondered how much you both felt um, more comfortable with about how much improvisation was there allowed on set in terms of what you'd kind of written? You know, we kind of went into it with the intention of letting them improvise and letting them play around. They improvised um, quite a bit while we were rehearsing and off of their the improv that they did in the rehearsals, we adjusted the script, we added some jokes, mm -hmm. we, we changed things around. And then when we got to set, we were ready to let them do that. And we let them improvise a little bit on the first couple setups we had. Mm. And then just logistically speaking, we realized pretty quickly we didn't unfortunately have that much time right. to just mess around like that and mm -hmm. just let them do takes where they could go a bit wild. Now, that doesn't mean we told them, like, you have to do it exactly <laughs> to the page. But yeah. the first couple times they did it, there were some pretty wild runs that they went on and i think right. we just looked at the clock and realized like we're gonna we're gonna be at lunch in a couple hours mm. we can't really be messing around too much and i think they understood yeah and know? they also liked i mean the, the thing as an actor and especially an improviser is like if you don't like or if you don't like the material or trust the directors you're more apt to just wander off into improv and mm. like the the you know, the, the well-intentioned thing of like, well, I can make, I can fix this. Right. Mm, and, I, yeah. and it was a compliment, you know, without even being discussed, it was definitely like this, Mike and I and Julie and Johnny, we all enjoyed working together and we, it, we were complimenting each other and they were giving us sort of the great compliment of like, yeah, we don't need to screw around with this mm. too much. Um, there's a great, I don't know if Amy Poehler is the originator of this quote, but I, I you know, I, she, I saw her say this at a talk back once and she's like, yeah, sometimes with improv, you get you get a take that's twice as long and half as funny. So yeah, we yeah, were yeah. like, yeah, feel free to play around. Um, yeah, and we never said, no, you can't. But also they were never like, ah, it's not working. I'm just going to go off script and make it work. And to go to Mike's point earlier in our writing process where we're not super precious, that was the other thing where, you know, occasionally we thought we had something and it worked in rehearsal. Mm. And then we were just on the day and we're looking at the monitor and we're like, yeah, that that one bit's not hitting or even right. just that word is not right. So it was no big deal. We just walk out, talk to the actors. We're like, all right, well, that's just not, what do you guys think about that? Like, mm. how would you say that? And we would, you know, not, not a ton, but sometimes we would just take a couple minutes and just tweak something on the fly and they'd be like, yeah. great, that's great. Um, you know, knowing that, again, that's the thing too, of not being precious and also coming from an acting background where it's like, well, if the actor can't say the word or it just feels yeah. inconsistent, then just change it. Like it's not, you know what I mean? It's mm. not, it's not Shakespeare. Or even if it was, like Shakespeare would invent words yeah, when yeah. there were no words that he could. So, you know, it's, um, I think that's the funny thing also, again, as an actor, you'll hear a lot from like auditions or cast director where they're like, never change the dialogue. They, they pour over it and mm. maybe there's a place for that. But I think on the day, you have to be like, you know what? It's not working. Yeah. Let's just yeah. tweak it and, yeah. and collaborate and then. You know, Mike and I are both uh, obviously very happy with the final product. Mm, yeah. Like, there's no days when we're like, oh, man, I wish we hadn't changed that one yeah. word. Yeah. So did you shoot on location in, in Maui? And what was the kind of toughest scene um, to shoot and why? So unfortunately, uh, we were not able to shoot it on location. Not only that, <laughs> we haven't. This has been a part of our lives for about 18 months. Right. and in that 18 months, we haven't even been able to go to Hawaii once. Oh. Uh, I kind of have a, uh, an ideal situation where once our festival run is done, we'll be able to go to Hawaii for vacation and really soak in all like how much the state of Hawaii has been a part of our lives for mm. the last year and a half. You know, we, we knew that with a good production designer in the right room, we could, we could sell it. And right. because the film starts with, our, one of our characters out on a balcony looking out at the ocean. It was important that we found a balcony like that, looking out in an, at a landscape that could feel like Maui. Yeah. And we found that in Oxnard, California, which is um, about an hour and a half 
north of Los Angeles. And so we filmed the exterior up there. And then we what we just needed was a hotel room in Los Angeles that had a balcony. Right. And we could just see light coming in from the balcony. And that's all we needed. And with that, we were able to find the Westin in Pasadena, who could not have been more generous and accommodating to us shooting to the point where they didn't even charge us a production fee. They just oh, really? asked us wow. to pay for the rooms that we were using. And truthfully, they let us run amok of floor of the hotel that we were shooting on. Um, but they were great. So, um, and then, you know, a huge part of that is our production designer, Alex Nell, came in and the day that we were prepping the room, she had so many different versions of what the hotel room would look like right. prepared. And we just tried so many different things to the point where um, that's a really tricky thing with a film like this when you're not going to shoot it on location. Because if from the jump and from the get go, it does not look and feel like Hawaii, mm. then you lost the audience. <laughs> and no one has. Uh, ever questioned it so there are the audience is able to really just like be in that moment and be there mm. because um alex did such a great job of making you feel like you were in hawaii yeah there's only one person after la shorts who knew he he came up afterwards and, and congratulated us and then was like hey did you shoot that at and he named right. the like specific uh place in Oxnard, you know, like the actual, like not just that, oh, it's Embassy Suites, but the, like the whatever village, yeah. like he named specific, we were like, yeah, he's like, oh, he's like, my parents lived, he's like, I used to jog up and down the beat, he's like, I know that skyline, but everyone else yeah. has felt that way, and, and truth be told, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely an optical illusion, uh, or additionally in that, like, the room is probably even more uh, Hawaiian than an actual Hawaii hotel room is, because typically yeah. in Hawaii, you know, we were we were doing research on that. You know, the rooms are nice, but the the, the allure is the lush, beautiful landscape outside. Yeah. So the rooms are basic in Hawaii, but we're like, well, we can't show outside, so let's just really dress the hell out of this room. Yeah, and that was something that I watched the film two uh, two days ago, mm -hmm. and I I was looking at all the props and the set decoration, and I was like. You know, it really makes you just subconsciously reminds you that this is the world you're in mm. because of the colors and because of the tone and because of the, you know, some of the the plants that are in the room. So, um, you know, we poured over images of what hotel rooms in Hawaii look like. And, you know, like Josh was saying, truth be told, they look like hotel rooms in most other places because mm. most of the hotels are Hyatt's and, um, and chains. But we really wanted to keep reminding the audience this is the world that we're in. And just speaking of um, props, there's one particular scene, I don't want to give any too much spoilers away, but when the two characters go to town on the minibar and junk food, I just wondered from a practical standpoint, <laughs> how much how much chocolate and crisps did the, uh, did the two actors manage to get through? Or was that also like a wanna? Yeah, we, we basically had it all set and then we had extra food too on hand. And we, we timed it where that was the end of our first day and we wanted to close with that chaos and then walk away mm. and then we'll just have the room trashed for the beginning of day two and we could do the next bit. So yeah, so we just said, we told our DP just like, fault, like look, there's not, we don't have this boarded out. Mm. We're just gonna let like Johnny and Julie, we're gonna direct you to like go into different stuff and then on the fly we'll, we'll be like, oh, that's good. Get a close up of the weird yeah. purple what were those purple yeah, turnip cakes? Like oh, yam, yam. yam cakes. Purple yam cakes. Yeah, Alex again, our production designer. She just bought everything, and we were we were like, yeah, anything that's Hawaiian, definitely get. Like we're like we want uh, Mauna Loa macadamias. That's non negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> so we that, and then actually a lot of the snacks too. I know. I know. I'm speaking for myself, but Mike was in on it too. I think. Like I'd be like, I want to try that. So I'd take a bite out of something and then throw some garbage on the floor. Yeah. Right. There were some crew members that were like, can I just eat some chocolate? We're like, yeah, have some yeah. Toblerone. Anyone who was willing to, like actors got first crack at everything. Right. Like we wanted, we wanted to make sure we saved that so they got to open everything, we'd get it on camera. Mm. But yeah, if I was like, if anyone else wants to try some of the, these um, amenities, go for it. And yeah, the floor was 
there was a lot of gummies stuck to the floor. Yeah, stuck to the floor. That was probably the the, the most perilous thing where we're like, okay, we just got to make sure there's nothing that mm. we're driving into the carpet. So I just wondered yeah. in yeah. terms of um, in post production when you were working with your editor Jack Price, um, did anything sort of surprise you when you were looking over the footage, and um, and how much in the edit did the overall film change um, from what you had on the page? That's an interesting question. You know, I think, so the funniest part about working with Jack is Jack has been my roommate for nine years. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is the second film Jack has cut with me and he's a fantastic editor, but what Jack is so good at is we knew the story was there and Jack was so good at reminding us to use the takes that don't make Penny seem like the nagging wife or make Larry come off like a doofus or an idiot and really keep that chemistry between them and really kind of, I think Jack really helped remind us how important it was to stay on our character's sides. You know, Jack is just so good with like finding characters' motivations through the editing process mm -hmm. and finding the things that, that really will make the audience relate to them. Yeah. And and he's he, on that note too. He's very good at like, yeah, he won't sacrifice the character for a joke. Right. Like he won't sell out, you know, and, and, and the, we are also on that same page. So there were a few moments where we would like, there were a couple jokes we cut that were like, yeah, absolutely funny. Like made us laugh every time we knew you could sort of force a laugh out of the audience with it. But then at the end of the day, we realized like, yeah, it's, it's either forced or it makes our characters shade too far in one way or the other. And, and that, yeah, Jack was, Jack was great. And there was nothing really, it was a great, I mean, I remember telling Mike after we shot, I was like, this feels like the first thing I've been on where we didn't go home and been like, Oh no, yeah. we didn't get a shot. Of yeah. Or in the edit where it's like, ah, oh, damn it. Why don't we have an insert of, yeah. so there was nothing like yeah. that. It was, it was more of like, yeah, just like okay, I feel like we got it. We got we got the performance we want. We got mm. we got the angle we want. Yeah, it was it was overall great. I just like had one more question to sort of wrap up, and it was it was just basically to do how you sort of like both felt. What was the one sort of technical or directorial sort of skill you felt you improved upon working on uh, Forty Minutes Over Maui that you'll be taking on to your next projects? Um, I, I'm assuming you're going to be working on more uh, projects together. Yeah, my, are we, Mike? Yeah. I, okay. I hope so. Uh, no, that was, <laughs> uh, I got nervous. Um, I don't want to be broken up with live. Yeah, live. Yeah, that would be uh, it'd be shocking. <laughs> but then the good. I mean, what a what a you know what a way to end. Yeah, dramatic <laughs> yeah. twist. You yeah. know, when you post, it's like listen all the way through. <laughs> it's a surprise. Uh, listen, to, listen to a directing duo fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of. What what we gain technically in terms of directing from this, I would say for me, I went to the University of Southern California for uh, my master's degree in film production and in directing. And while there, I focused a bit more on documentary filmmaking, even though I, I always did want to do more fiction and narrative filmmaking. And this has been my first um, narrative piece in quite some time. And I think the thing that I really took from this experience was when you really have a set vision and you believe in it and you stick to it, you can really get a lot out of it. And mm -hmm. I think I was, I was always a bit afraid of doing this kind of directing and filmmaking with so many moving pieces around. Mm -hmm. And once we were on the set and there were 30 people around us, you know, I was able to really feel comfortable in that environment. Right. So I think going forward, um, you know, that's really the thing I took, I've taken mostly from it is the confidence in being able to do something of this caliber. For me, yeah, I mean, one thing that was great, that was sort of a, an education, but it's sort of implied is like the working together as a duo, but like we've said, yeah. it was so seamless. So that's, I mean, you know, it's a good thing where it's, I don't think we, we really are coming out of this like, okay, notes on the next time we work together. Yeah. Like to, actually have a good time so that's baked into it yeah i think one of the things is you know i'm 
born and raised in Southern California. I'm a very laid back, easygoing person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, and, and as like an improviser and a collaborator, I'll often, uh, go with more of like, Hey, whatever you guys want, like, you know, be, we're all creatives and things yeah. like that. And so then the thing that I realized, you know, directing, especially, uh, you know, when the, the production's bigger and you're on a schedule, not that I remember someone that's like, yeah, whatever, we'll just, we'll just wander aimlessly through the woods. But getting better at the, and I think Mike and I both growing in this of like being firm while still gentle and not stifling anyone's creative process. You know, mm-hmm. like for an example is like on the first day there were a couple setups where our DP, who's amazing, you know, set up an angle and both Mike and I knew that as beautiful as it was, it was not right for the storytelling aspect. Right. You would still fire off a couple takes, yeah. you know, and just, but then have a little huddle and be like, well, we're not gonna, we know we're yeah. not gonna use it. Right? So we were more like worried about like hurting feelings right. or, or like someone's creativity. And then as even just over the two days of the production and from our experience, remembering actually that you know as long as you explain why you're not doing it Mm -hmm. you know make it a conversation but also like gently remind everyone that well you're the director and you know the the buck stops with you that that no one um if they're you know you're working with professionals you know no one is going to be pouty and everything like that and actually Mm -hmm. they respect you more if you say here's why we're not going to do that. Or just like how everyone likes, like when Mike and I would say, great, we got it. Let's move on Mm -hmm. and not waste everyone's time with a few more takes. Yeah. So from, from crew down to the actors, when you come out and you're, and you're very generous, but you're very specific while Mm. still being generous and friendly. I think that was something for me because I'm often, you know, that's why I was an actor. I'm such like a people pleaser, Right. but really the director, it's more important that everyone's like, Oh yeah, Josh and Mike know what they want. And if it's not there, they'll adjust us, and and we we make our day in time. And at the end, of, that's what makes everyone happy. At yeah. the end of the day, yeah, like they would much rather go home feeling yeah. like they got their work done, other than like, yeah, we got nothing done, but they were super nice and let us did whatever we yeah. wanted. So there you have it. I had a great time chatting with Josh and Michael. Please do like and subscribe to the show on SoundCloud and YouTube, and drop a comment or two. And you can get in touch with me at the Salmoning and One on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Tom and I'll catch up with you next episode.